Yo, people. How's everybody doing? Listen, listen, listen. I just, I don't know, during worship there, that last song, man, like God is doing something tonight. God is here tonight. I know for a lot of you maybe in this room, like your relationship with God is something that you care about. It's something that's real to you. It's something that you, you feel like you connect with him often and hear from him often. Maybe some tonight, this is not like the thing that, that you're used to. I want you to know that God wants to speak something to you tonight. He wants to do something in your life tonight. I'd encourage you, before we even jump in, before we even get started, open your heart, open your mind to maybe what God wants to teach you tonight. I believe our discussion tonight is one of the most important discussions that we'll have during this whole series, Swim Lessons. Uh, and the reason is because I believe that this, this lesson tonight on how to swim when it comes to the culture that we exist within, when it comes to relationships, I believe can be one of the most damaging things uh, for us to figure out how to do if we don't do it correctly. And the reason I can say that confidently is because I one time was in high school many, many moons ago, okay? I remember being in high school. I remember, I remember trying to navigate all this. I remember how difficult it was. And so tonight, I want to encourage you. I believe that God speaks to us very clearly when it comes to relationships and the way that we can live these out in a healthy kind of way to fully embrace the gift that he's given us. Now, I see some of y'all have Bibles tonight. I love it. Some of y'all have notebooks tonight. I love it. I love it. So keep bringing these things. I'd encourage you to take notes tonight. Whatever God's teaching you, write it down. That way you could go back weeks, months, years from now and be able to look back and see the way that God was faithful to you and the things that he was saying to you. Remember my first relationship, if you want to call it that, sixth grade. Okay, I'd come across this little sixth grade girl named Julie. She was a soccer player. She was so cute. She was like, I know. I know she was in a couple classes with me, and so I got nervous because I would come around her every once in a while. So we finally decided that we were going to like be boyfriend and girlfriend, the same way that most sixth grade kids decide to do this. It was a note, right? So I write a note, I send it to her, I'm like, hey, listen, um, you wanna be my boyfriend? <laughs> I mean, you wanna be my girlfriend? I'll be your boyfriend. Uh, and and if, you, if you want to, check yes. If no, check no, and maybe, maybe too. That would be an option as well if we wanna kind of wait this thing out. So sure enough, we became boyfriend and girlfriend, sixth grade. And from the very get-go, our relationship was, was amazing. We didn't really talk that much, like, ever. All we really did was send notes to each other. Or I'd tell her friend, I'd be like, hey, go tell her that I think she's cool. And her friend would walk over there and be like, Julie, um, Trevor thinks you're cool. And she'd be like, oh, that's so nice. Hey, go tell him I think I like his shoes. And so she'd walk over and be like, hey, Julie likes your shoes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. And that's what the relationship looked like. We never really talked, like, face-to-face. That was a little bit too much. I wasn't ready for that yet. But we, we passed notes. We talked between friends and all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of pressure when it came to middle school relationships. Anybody remember middle school relationships? I mean, so much pressure when it came to this kind of thing. Like, people were like, hey, listen, you should talk face-to-face. I'm like, no. No, this is like, we're solid two and a half weeks into this thing. I'm not ready to talk face-to-face. Notes are fine. Friends are fine. Face-to-face is not happening yet. And then there was always this pressure in middle school for the first kiss. So all my friends would be like, hey, listen, have you kissed yet? I'm like, no. We've barely even talked. We haven't kissed? What are you talking about? And they're like, you, you need to kiss her. I'm like, I, I can't. So sure enough, one night we were talking on the phone. This is another thing that we actually did was actually speak on the phone. But we had phones with like cords that plugged in. It was plugged into a wall. So it was a while ago. And we would dial it up like this. I'm just kidding. But we were talking on the phone, and so one night we're talking. I'm like, hey, listen, um, I've been thinking. Uh, we've been dating for at least like 21 days, and um, I feel like maybe it's time for, for us to you know, move forward, and maybe, um, maybe we should uh, kiss tomorrow. She's like, okay. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. So we had a plan. The plan was after science fair that next morning, on the way back to the classroom, we would kiss in the hallway of the school. Dangerous. So sure enough, we go to science fair like, oh, like this nice solar system that you've made for the third year in a row. Oh, this is nice too, a volcano. Very cool. And then after we were done, we were walking back to our classroom. And sure enough, Julie and I kind of trailed off to the back. Our friends went around the corner. And there we were just in the hallway together. 
and just like staring at each other. So I had never done this before, didn't know how this went exactly, so I kind of stepped forward, and then sure enough, before I knew it, we kissed. I know, and it was like, it was, it was so crazy, and two weeks later we broke up, and we never really talked again, but for, for a solid four weeks, it was like amazing, man, like it was just awesome. But I remember in sixth grade, I remember all the way back in sixth grade, and for many of you, maybe it's a different grade, maybe, maybe it's like this year, whatever it might be, there are certain pressures that come to relationships, there's a certain expectation that we feel like everybody has for the kind of relationship that we have. It should look like this. This is what you should do. This is what it should look like. There's all kinds of pressure. And the problem is when it comes to pressure, this dating phase of our relationships, middle school and high school, I'll be honest with you, I would never go back for a million dollars and do it again. But to go back and be a part of that again, it's the most anxious, frustrating, confusing time in many of our lives, trying to figure out how to navigate this whole thing. And one of the problems is, there's so much pressure when it comes to culture. Listen, if you're gonna have a relationship, this is what it should look like. This is what you should do in month one or five or whatever it is. There's all this pressure heaped on top of us. I'm gonna be very clear tonight. If you leave here tonight and you walk away and say, Trevor says God hates relationships, you're a liar. Didn't say that. I'll be very honest with you, I think relationships are wonderful. In Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, when Jesus, uh, when God has created everything, he's created it perfect. In Genesis chapter two, God creates mankind, and man is there in the garden in all perfectness, and God says, it is not good that man should be alone, and so he makes woman as a compliment to him. You see compliments all throughout creation. You see sky and land. You see water and land. You see birds in the air. You see animals on the ground, and eventually he makes man and he makes woman and complementary to one another. He says, this is what relationships should look like. So even when things were perfect, God says, it's not good that man or woman would be alone, but I'll make a compliment. I'll give relationship. We were created for relationship. What this means is you should not feel bad when you have an attraction towards someone. That's normal. Like you're gonna get butterflies from time to time. You're gonna have a crush from time to time. You're gonna sense some attraction from time to time. You were made that way. Don't freak out. This, in fact, is good. But here's the problem. You will have these emotions. You will have this kind of attraction. The question is, what do you do with it? It's normal that you have it, but God has given us some parameters and ways for us to navigate this, to learn how to swim in the midst of culture and in the midst of relationships, to do it in a kind of way that honors him and so that we can fully embrace all the gift of relationship that God has given to us. Because there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pull, a lot of tug for you when it comes to relationship, what it should look like. I remember I went to the beach. Uh, I didn't go to the beach this summer. We were supposed to go to the beach at least one time. Does anybody go to the beach this summer? My favorite thing to go to the beach, take the boys, go swim and hang out. But when you get on the beach and you finally get into the tide and maybe you get a little deep into the water, maybe like knee deep or hip deep, when you get into the ocean, you all of a sudden feel this, this current underneath you begin to sweep past your feet as the waves come in and they come back out. You know what that's called? An undertow. Now, the undertow can be a very, very dangerous thing. In fact, I would, I would conclude it's the most dangerous thing in the ocean when you go swimming. Yes, there's sharks, there's stingrays, whatever it might be, but the undertow could be the most dangerous. Because if you're not careful, that tug and that pull is so strong, it will pull you into the water over your head, and many people never make it out of an undertow. It's too strong, way, way too strong. The premise of our discussion tonight is simply this. The world and culture around us has a relational undertow for all of us. It's an expectation, it's, an, it's a pressure. And oftentimes it's a pressure for us to go too far and too fast with a significant other to a place that's not designed for us right here and right now. 
And that pressure, if we're not careful, can begin to pull us into places we've never meant to go. I've gotten into this relationship because I was attracted to this guy or this girl and everything was fine. But before I knew it, I was going places and doing things I never intended to do. This is not how I had planned this thing out. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves moving into places physically and emotionally that we aren't supposed to go to at that point in time. There's a design for this. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful in its time. And here's what I mean from culture and from the world. There are television shows that y'all watch. I know. I don't watch many television shows. I'm like a dork. I watch like nerdy television shows. But I know there are television shows, reality TV shows, whatever it might be. And the message in almost all of them is very, very similar. When it comes to relationships and sexuality, you can do whatever you want with whoever you want, whenever you want. This is the message oftentimes that we get. Uh, If you listen to music or you watch certain movies that come out, the message oftentimes is very, very similar. All done in the name of art, of course, but too often the message is simply do whatever you want with whoever you want, whenever you want. And this too often is the undertow that we're sensing, that we're feeling. Social media is the same. The lyrics in the song, they speak the same. Relationships, if they're not physical, sometimes we feel like then we must be doing it wrong. And I know for many in the room, you might be saying, Trevor, what's the big deal? Like, what is the big, why are we even having this discussion? All the things we could possibly talk about, why are we having this discussion? And here's why. The premise of this series is this, that we as Christians and followers of Christ, the expectation would be that we would live our lives different from the world. This is nothing new. And in fact, this is exactly the way the Hebrew people related to God, the way the New Testament folks related to God, and then we as Christians now, the way we relate to God as well. We should look different. Our relationships, friendships also, all of them should look different than the world around us simply because we call ourselves followers of Christ. So here's what I mean. For some people, maybe even friendships that you have at your school, to send inappropriate pictures to one another or text to one another is not a big deal. When I believe, based upon Scripture and based upon the way God has made us and the, in the, uh, the design for relationships, this could be a very, very dangerous thing. And for a lot of us, the pressure to to make out with whoever or casual sex or whatever it might be, this is a pressure that too often comes to us. But I believe outside of the context of marriage, this can be very, very damaging. So again, the question may be, why are we talking about this? Trevor, chill out. And I'll be honest with you, I can't. Because as someone who's gone and walked this path before, I know how difficult it is. I realize it 100%. And if there's someone who's on a stage that could love and care for you enough to be able to say, hey, listen, be careful here. I'm not telling you not to swim. I'm telling you, be careful as you do so. Relationships are wonderful, but when done in the right kind of way. The book of Proverbs in chapter seven tells this actually really tragic story about a young man. And in this story, you have to realize the whole book of Proverbs was written within a patriarchal system, meaning this. It would have been written to a school mostly for boys. Because at that point in time in the ancient Near East, boys were the ones who were being raised up to be, to be taught in a certain kind of way, to be leaders within the community. And so this whole book is written in, in terms of towards guys. So you see in chapter 7 this story that begins to unfold, and it's about this young boy, this young man. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. The writer says, at the window of my house, he's telling a story, I looked down through the lattice, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down to the street near her corner, walking in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night was setting in. Now just to be clear, you could easily replace this young man for young woman. But in this context, this is the way this would have been written. Now there's a very important word here, and the word is this, simple. 
Now, in the Hebrew, this word actually means foolish or stupid. So as this person looks out of the lattice and he sees this young, simple man in a certain location, this is someone who lacks sense, who's making foolish decisions, who's going places that he shouldn't go. Now, a couple of things about this story, and I just want to be very clear with you as high school students, I think you can handle this. The way this is written, this corner that he's going to is a corner where a woman would come and meet him, a prostitute. And he finds himself there as the sun is going down and as dark is, is, is coming. In chapter seven, this is the way the story begins. The first five verses is the same author writing to this young man and to the people who are listening, to the, to the boys who would have been in the school, please listen to everything I say. Hear these commands and hear these instructions because if, if you do, it could rescue you from a lot of pain. But let me tell you a story about one young man that I saw who's on this corner at this certain time. One of the first lessons we can learn about swimming in the culture of relationships is very simply this, found in verse eight and verse nine. Be careful not to find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Be very careful not to find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. This young man who he sees through the lattice finds himself on her corner as the night is going down and the, and the sun is going down and the night is coming. I wanna be clear with you, there are boundaries that have been put in our life to protect us and not to harm us. God has given us boundaries for our life, not to, not to harm us, but to protect us. My son Owen, he's turned four today. Today is his birthday. He's the cutest little dude on the planet Earth, and I'll argue about that. But he loves to swim. He taught himself to swim because his older brother knows how to swim. And so we used to go to this, this neighborhood pool, and in that pool there was this, this uh, thing across the pool about halfway through that had these little floaties on it. It was a rope, and it was meant to keep all the kids who couldn't swim in the deep end in the shallow end, right? And Owen hated it. Because all the big kids were in the other end, including his big brother, swimming in the deep end. But he could only touch with his toes in the shallow end. So we'd say to him, Owen, you can't cross that rope. You can't cross. One day you will be able to, but right now you can't because you can't touch here. And if you're not careful, you'll drown. Well, Owen, he wasn't going to have any of it. So sure enough, we're sitting there, we're hanging out. And all of a sudden, I see him slip underneath the rope and begin to shove himself down the side of the pool on the side as far as he could possibly go. But the whole time knowing, if I go off this thing, I'm sunk, Literally. I can't touch the bottom. This was a boundary for him, very simply put there, to protect him, not to harm him. And the same is true for us. These boundaries that we have within our life, they are put there to protect us. They're, they're put there for us to fully enjoy swimming. But not done correctly, it can be a very harmful thing. A lot of us, when we look at the standard for what a relationship looks, relationship looks like, we simply go to our other 15, 16, 17-year-old friend. Hey, how are you guys doing this? That's, that's a bad education. I mean, too often we're going to someone else who's in the exact same position as us and be like, hey, how do you do this exactly? I'm trying to navigate this thing. It's a little bit difficult. What should I do? Here's some advice. Don't go to your friend who's in the same position you're in. Go to someone who's been through that, who's made it through on the other side and has done it in a way that you respect. And if I'm honest, my education throughout high school came from a high school girlfriend that I had who had three older sisters. It was a bad education. We didn't really talk about it in my family for some different kinds of reasons, and the people that I talked to about it were all of my friends. And I wish I would have had someone in my life who would have given me some advice to show me that the boundaries that are put in my life are not to harm me, but to protect me. For instance, the thing that you probably have in your hand right now, the smartphone, or in your pocket, or someone very, somewhere very near you, this thing, this one piece of technology, I believe is one of the most dangerous things that's ever been placed into a high school student's hand. Because late at night, you can get to anything that you want to get to on that phone. And not just the internet. 
any kind of social media, any kind of place that you want to go. And I know this is not a conversation that we normally have on a daily, but I want to be very honest with you. This is super dangerous, guys. And there are boundaries put in place for this particular thing for a very serious reason. The same thing is true. A lot of us, we find ourselves hanging out at some parent's house, just the two of you alone. Nobody's there. This is the wrong place at the wrong time. I know there's a lot of girls who love posting pictures like, oh, I can't believe summer's leaving, but you're in your bathing suit, and you know you're putting that picture up there for a certain reason. And you've gotten a certain amount of likes for a certain reason. This is the wrong place at the wrong time. And if we find ourselves putting ourselves in these kind of locations, we risk disaster. This is a recipe for disaster. The problem is this. Often we end up in these places and we have no clue how we got there. It just kind of happened. But some of us in the room, you've gotten there because you've done it intentionally. You know exactly what happens if we go to this place at this time. If I say this or she says this or whatever, I know exactly what will take place. But you put yourself intentionally in the wrong place at the wrong time. These boundaries are put there not to harm you, but to protect you. Because relationships are something that God has given us. Something he's given us to fully embrace and enjoy within his timing. Here's the thing, y'all aren't dumb. Y'all are not dumb. You know how this works. You know how this goes down. And you can't blame anybody else but yourself. What we need is somebody who's willing to be there and watch out for us. When I was a kid, I, I went with my cousins one time swimming at this pool in Illinois. We went and visited some friends. And if you've ever been in a pool in the summertime, especially maybe in South Carolina, certainly in the Midwest, you could be swimming. It's a beautiful day when all of a sudden these clouds begin to build. Those clouds get dark, and eventually you could have a storm kind of blow up. It gets windy and whatever else. And there's a lifeguard maybe next to the pool. He's got a whistle in his hand. What's the first thing he's going to do when that storm comes? Blow the whistle. Well done. And yell, everybody out of the pool. Everybody get out of the pool. This is one of my least favorite things because we were having a great time, everything's cool, and all of a sudden someone's blowing this whistle, everybody get out of the pool, but again, it's for your safety, not for your harm. I wish I would have had people looking into my life and the relationships that I had in high school and in middle school and who were gutsy enough to be willing to blow the whistle and say, hey, listen, get out of the pool. It's too dangerous. You've put yourself in a dangerous location. And I care about you enough, even if this means you think I'm a dork, even if this means you never speak to me again. I couldn't live with myself if I was not someone who's willing to say, listen, be careful. Be careful because I know what's on the other side. I know what God has given us and the way he wants us to treat it. Here's what Proverbs chapter seven, verse one through five says. The writer says this at the beginning of chapter seven. My son, again, this is written to a school of boys. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. It'll protect you. Every person who would have heard these words said here in the very beginning of chapter seven would have understood it because they would have known, they would have a visual within their mind. You see, within Jewish culture, there were, there were men that would wear things that looked just like this. They would take leather bands and wrap them around their arms or wrap them around their fingers or around their heads. And in little boxes or pieces of paper, they would have scripture and teachings of God that they would put in these boxes and they would wrap them around their bodies in different kind of locations to always remind themselves of what God has said about certain things within their life. They, they never wanted to forget these certain things and guidelines that God has given us so we could fully embrace life and life to the fullest. 
So when the writer here in chapter seven says, bind this around your finger, write it on your heart, what he's saying is don't ever forget. Don't ever forget these truths. I'm one person who's willing to say, be careful, steer away, be wise. And here's why. This author in chapter seven knows in the first five verses, he's gotta get this out because very soon things are gonna go south for this young man. It's a slippery slope, as we'll see in this story. It's a slippery slope. And relationships are no different. In a relationship, you might find yourself in this one place, but you're gonna end up in a different kind of place. Everything starts here and everything's fine, but before you know it, within a few minutes, hours, days, months, whatever it might be, you find yourself in this other kind of location. I didn't see it getting here, and certainly not this quickly. And here's why. God has placed inside of you a desire for the opposite sex, for you to love someone, to be in an intimate relationship with someone else. He's made you this way, and it's a wonderful thing. He's given you a, a sexual engine that is a wonderful thing. But here's what Song of Solomon says, do not awaken love until it so desires. Meaning this, be very careful. Because when you rev this engine, when you go to some of these places or do some of these kinds of things, it is so difficult to begin to pull it back once again. To get back across the boundary that's already been crossed. The writer knows this is difficult, and he knows it's a slippery slope, because if you decide that this is not such a big deal, then eventually, potentially, something else is not such a big deal, and eventually you find yourself in a place that you never intended to be in the first place. And the story of this young man in Proverbs demonstrates a very dangerous, slippery slope. In chapter 7, verse 15 through 21, it says this. The woman is speaking. She says, so I came to meet you here. I looked for you, and I found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. My husband is not home. He's gone, been gone on a long journey, took his purse with him. He won't be home till noon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. She seduced him with her smooth talk. What you notice in this passage is there's this slippery slope that begins to take place. And what's so interesting to me is it hits on every single one of this young man's senses. It starts with colored linens, it starts with visual. And eventually there's this, this thing that he smells, this perfume, and then eventually it's touch and it's, it's speech, it's auditory. We've done a grave disservice to a lot of us, and myself included, when I was in middle school and high school, when someone said to me, be careful what you look at. So I want you to understand something. This, this difficulty of swimming in relationships has only partly to do with the things that you look at. All of our senses get involved. And it's difficult to navigate this. And it's a slippery slope. If we're not careful, if we give in one particular area, we might find ourselves giving in another particular area. And now I can hear many potentially in the room saying, Trevor, chill, okay? You continued on, this has been 20 minutes of this now, okay? I'm, just chill out. And I, I get it 100% because when I go to the pool with my wife, my wife is freaking out 100% of the time about my boys falling in the pool and drowning. I'm like, Jenna, they know how to swim. Uh, they had floaties on before that. Chill out. She's like freaking out. Where are the boys? I'm like, they're right there. Everything's fine. Just chill. But here's why. As a mother, she has this certain kind of sense that I don't have, and it's very simply this. In one minute, they could be gone. In one minute, if we miss it and they fall in, it could be over. And as a dad, I'm kind of like, no big deal, just chill out a little bit. But my wife, she will not chill on it. And she will keep talking about it. 
so for anyone who's like, Trevor, just chill out. I really, I really can't because I believe this is such an important discussion. As I look around this room, I see so many students who I knew at this church when they were like second grade and third grade. For so many of you students in this room, I watched you go through confirmation. For so many of you students, we have poured our lives into you because we care about you and we love you. And here's the thing, it pales in comparison to the kind of love that God has for you, no matter who you are and where you come from. No matter what mistakes you've made or you have not made, you are loved by God. And you're so valuable to him that he will speak and continue to speak to make sure that you are careful as you navigate these waters. Because he has given you this as a gift, these relationships. And if we're not careful, we may find ourselves dead in the water. At the end of this passage, this chapter seven, this whole story is this young man slips further and further into this situation, it ends rather terribly. In chapter seven, verse 22 through 27, here's what it says. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a, beard, a bird darting into a snare, like little knowing it would cost him his life. Now then, my sons and my daughters, listen to me, pay attention to what I say, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down, her slain are a mighty number. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. I want to be very clear, I'm not saying if you get in a relationship you're gonna die, okay? Not what I'm saying. But there are other kinds of death that are not just physical. There are other kinds of consequences that we could face if we're not careful in these waters. Number one, very simply, heartbreak. Heartbreak. There are so many relationships that don't end in a certain kind of way. Maybe the way you calculated this to end. And someone on one or the other ends up with a broken heart. This alone should be enough for us to be careful as we navigate this. Secondly, friendships can suffer. A lot of times relationships get messy. And because they're so messy, someone else is involved in some kind of peripheral way. And when things go bad, when things don't go as planned, someone gets hurt. And it may be someone who's your friend. Number three, a lot of times we lose our identity. How often do we get wrapped up in a certain kind of relationship and we kind of pull away from certain friendships or certain things? Before we know it, our whole identity is this one person. Everything he wants me to do, I do. And everything she wants me to do, I do. And, it, and it's all there. I'm a sophomore in high school. Before I know it, we break up. And now I have no clue who I am anymore. Our identity is so crucial. If we're not careful, we can lose it. Potentially there's regret and there's shame. I didn't want to be in this relationship in this certain kind of way. And I felt pressured. And now that it's happened, I, I feel dirty. I feel this regret. I feel this shame because of these mistakes. There could be a comparison that comes in. I'll be honest with you guys. Pornography, I believe, is one of those dangerous things that we face in our culture today. And here's why. When you've seen things or experienced things, you can never get them out of your mind or your heart again. And believe me, as someone who's been married now for nine years, I wanted so badly to stand before my wife on my wedding day and say, listen, you are my one and only, and there's no comparison to you. And here's the problem. When we compare our spouses to something nine, 10 years ago, or something we saw at some point in time, they will never be able to compare because that, it's not reality. Fantasy always beats reality every single time. And we're playing with fire. We mess with that stuff. 
It's comparison. If we get too used to, use, to going from this relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship, and a lot of us do this, we end up practicing divorce. We get so, so accustomed to having this relationship for a certain time and, and being done and pushing it aside only to find another one. And when that one gets old, push it aside and find someone again. For a lot of us, we are not ready for where these relationships should go. Who in the room has like a full-time job? Anybody? Anybody own your own car? Own your own house? Relationships, these have been designed for us that they might move towards a marriage one day, towards a committed relationship to one another. And a lot of us, we are not ready for that kind of commitment. Don't rush it. There's no need. You have plenty of time. Lastly, your reputation can suffer. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. And nobody is. But what it does mean is that we are, we are to live a certain kind of standard to show the world what it could look like to live these relationships out in a godly kind of way, to fully embrace all that God has given to us. Relationships are beautiful. Sex is beautiful. It is all wonderful in its own time and within a certain kind of context. Here's the truth. Right now, in high school, you have some of the best boundaries you will have the rest of your life. If you can't live in a relationship in a pure kind of way right now in high school, believe me, it gets only 10 times harder in college and then after college. Now is the time to begin to have the right kinds of, of patterns, the right kind of nature, the right kind of mindset and heart set for a relationship that honors God and is enjoyable through and through. So my last thing that I'd like to say to you is this, swim with caution. Swim with caution. I'll be honest, when I was in high school and if I would have heard this discussion even coming from my own mouth, I would have been like, okay, great, Trevor. I wish I would have heard this three years ago. Because some, like, some of these ships, they've sailed, Trevor. But I had good news for you. For every one of us, we have a lifesaver. We, we have a person in Jesus who is so recklessly in love with us that he is willing to do whatever it takes to find us and pursue us. So please hear me tonight. If you've made mistakes in this particular area, they can be washed away. You can have a fresh start. And here's how I know. I've experienced it in my own life. I've experienced the newness of going to Christ and say, Jesus, I am sorry for these particular things. I want a relationship with Jenna that is unbelievable. So would you, would you forgive me? Would you take away the regret and the shame, take away the bad reputation, take away all these things, Jesus, so I can fully embrace what you have for me once again? Here's what Romans chapter three, verses 23 to 24 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's everybody. But the very next word is this, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. The word redemption means this, deliverance. You've been rescued. Here he comes, just kidding. You have been rescued. You've been rescued by Christ. And tonight, we'd be remiss if we didn't say there's an opportunity for us to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, would you do in my life what only you can do? Would you restore some of the things, God, that maybe have been taken 
Would you restore some of the things, God, so I can fully embrace the gift of relationship that you offer to me tonight? I just want to pray for us in a moment, and we're going to sing one closing song about the great love of God towards us. And if you'd like to pray with one of the leaders in the room, please feel free to go grab one of them. Maybe girls, if you want to grab some of the girls in the back to pray with them, and guys, if you want to grab some of the guys in the back to pray, we would love to talk to you about this and give you hope, give you confidence so you can swim in the midst of culture knowing that God has a great plan for you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. I'm thankful, God, that it's really reckless, that you'll do whatever it takes to get to us because, God, I ran really hard for a long time, but I'm thankful for your pursuit towards me. I pray for every person in here tonight, God, no matter who they are, where they've come from, no matter what their experience is when it comes to relationships, God, I pray that you give them an incredible joy in their salvation, incredible joy of their deliverance and their redemption by you, Jesus. Forgive us, Father, for the places we've gone astray. God, help us have trust in what you have for us in the future. Lord God, we love you. I pray that every girl and every guy in this room, Father, that you would challenge them to give hope to the rest of the world of what a godly man or a godly woman looks like. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.